I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job, nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly, brought to you in association with Volkswagen, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Gavin Casey here, and I'm joined on the line from Japan by the one and only Murray Kinsler. How are you, Murray? Yeah, great. Having a busy day so far. We've been out at um, Yokohama Stadium, where we're only going to play on Sunday. Absolutely incredible stadium. Uh, that's going to be a really epic occasion. But the All Blacks and the Springboks were out there earlier on, so did that presser came back in here to the Ireland team hotel they named their team and then hopefully setting off for the Japan-Russia game then this evening up in uh, Tokyo again so busy one but it's all been fun so far Super we won't keep you long so we're delighted as well to be joined by the prodigal son Andy Dunn how are you Andy? Great thanks bring bring out the fattened calf Sorry? Prodigal son reference <laughs> <laughs> I'm off to a flyer uh, yeah listen it's 20 past 8 in the morning I'll, I'll warm into things how's your summer been going Andy you keeping well uh, it's been great yeah I've had a nice time and um, yeah delighted to be back brilliant well it's great to have you back we'll run through the team so firstly as you mentioned there Murray uh, Jordan Larmer starts at full back Andrew Conway on the wing Gary or on the right wing rather Gary Ringrose in at 13 and then it's sort of as you'd expect Bundyaki, Jacob Stockdale Johnny Sexton Connor Murray then the forwards, Keane Ely, Rory Best, Tyke Furlong, Ian Henderson, James Ryan, Peter Romani, Josh van der Fleer and CJ Stander. And on the bench, Niall Scannell, Dave Kilcoyne, Andrew Porter, Tyke Byrne, Jack Conan, Luke McGrath, Jack Hardy and Chris Farrell. So it's kind of as you'd expect really, Murray, just given what we knew about uh, some of the injury problems there with uh, some of the backline essentially that we knew were likely to be ruled out. Yeah, exactly. Rob Carney and Keith Earls probably from early in the week, we had a good sense that they were going to miss out. I think Ireland tried to string it along and we're hoping maybe to confuse Scotland a little bit, but the Scots certainly seem to know what was coming down the line. Listen, that is the headlines, the back three. It's it's going into the first game without two of your most experienced players, without the fullback who was, you know, we, we did that piece before the, the World Cup about the depth in Ireland squad. I think the one place people had picked out was fullback if Rob Carney wasn't there. I was looking at the minutes again. In this World Cup cycle, Rob Carney's played 1,726 minutes. And next on that list is Jordan Larmer with 387. So clearly he's been in, in, in fullback, Rob Carney, for the vast majority of the time. Larmer is only 22. He's, what, 16 test caps um, and still learning his trade. So that's going to be a big ask. Andrew Conway obviously is 28 his kind of career was late starting at test level given what we saw from him in school he was a, a bit of a sensation but um, it's going to be a big big day for those two guys and I think if you were Scottish from their point of view they'll go right Ireland are missing two of their best players and they're both in the back three um, so we're going to go after them on the flip side you have the excitement of Jordan Lammer's dancing footwork his kick return his attacking game and, and Conway bringing really good form into this into this game he's Obviously, in the, the warm-up game against Wales, he was particularly outstanding. Uh, and he's such a hard worker. He's still got that pace of of his youth. And, and they bring a lot of excitement in that sense. Joe Schmidt talked about the enthusiasm they bring. But certainly, it's a it's a blow for Ireland to lose those two guys to injury, as well as Joey Carberry maybe off the bench, not being quite fit. Joe Schmidt said he'll come and warm up with them and he's close to playing. Uh, but Jack Cardy, who, to be fair to him, has done really well for Ireland in his, in his seven or so caps so far, he gets a chance off the bench. What's your impression of it, Andy, particularly that back three? How do you think they're going to cope and match up against Scotland? Well, I think I agree with Murray that both uh, Larmer and Conway, as we've all seen, are evasive, uh, elusive runners. Really exciting with ball in hand, um, but, but more so in a broken up 
fast moving game so it's uh, I suppose game dependent if we can get away with it if it, if it's torrential rain or it's even just mild rain it's I would imagine they'll go to the air a bit they'll they'll uh, Scotland, the Scotland Scotland sorry will will kick and and certainly will pressurize uh, Larmer and Conway um height wise both both small and um so yeah I think I think if the game is a dry day and and it becomes a little broken up it's it's possibly to our advantage in terms of how how much of a threat they are running ball in hand if if it's rainy and it seems very unpredictable because apparently there was a 100% chance of a storm a few days ago and now there isn't yeah, what? Term, which, which means it wasn't a 100% chance <laughs> of a storm <laughs> what's the latest uh, what's the latest on that front Murray actually by the way yeah Joe Schmidt is usually uh, very good with his forecasting got it slightly wrong this time as Andy said that has changed a lot this week at the moment it looks like it's going to be dry and um, no rain in the morning on Sunday there still is forecast for some on Sunday afternoon and, and kind of leading into the game but not quite as torrential as we thought it, it looks like it'll be slightly wet maybe a bit windy as well so definitely not ideal, ideal conditions but not quite as bad as expected like it's a bit of an obvious concern like talking to even uh, friends in the Scottish media they were hoping and praying like crossing fingers that Rob Carney would miss out so that the likes of Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell could just rain down on top of Jordan Larmer. He's not bad in the air, to be fair, but it's one of those where you can definitely see a ball or two just squirting out and then it's open season, Andy, where Scotland are probably at their most dangerous, like pouncing on a loose ball and going from there. So how do you think Conway in particular um, will manage that pressure when, as Murray points out, he probably hasn't had like that experience in this type of a, a game where Ireland as a country has been building towards it for four years. Yeah, I I, I would back Conway to, to do okay. The only concern is, is is height, I think, with high balls. I think he's um, he plays with a lot of conviction. He plays with a lot of belief. And, um, he, you know, he's no doubt he's going to be pretty pumped up for a World Cup selection. He's got in kind of by default. Um, I, I wouldn't be that concerned in the, in a one to one setting um for him. I, I'd be concerned a little of the what you mentioned Hogg and Russell um they won't they won't repetitively I think hammer high balls one after another but I, they will play with great variation and and unpredictability and that's what worries me their ability to break up the game including through kicking now I'm talking like Finn Russell isn't afraid to, to chip and chase from five yards out Hogg has a kind of huge boot you know he can go 60 70 metres but Russell can grubber off both feet he can chip off both feet he wants the ball to land and bounce in you know whatever direction it chooses to and he's okay with that and so is Townsend so that can create havoc in a back three that isn't you know, time-wise, isn't that well knitted together? And there's there's a kind of an old adage in coaching that your back three are kind of tied by a rope. So if it you know if it pulls one way, the, the, you know you if your winger pushes up into the line, the other winger and fullback kind of follow in, and it pulls the other way, they go back on that rope again. If you can break up the the unity of movement of the back three, and certainly Russell is a master at that then uh, it causes havoc. Now, when you're dealing with a back three that isn't used to playing together positionally and from a communication point of view, we're a bit, bit vulnerable, I think, collectively there. But if to answer the question on Conway, it, it doesn't bother me. I don't feel overly concerned about his 
ability to to go in and, and land into that game and, and do individually do quite well. I'd be more concerned about the back three unit. Yeah, and yeah, just sorry, Mary, go just, on, yeah. just to add on that, Gav. Sorry, um, I, I'll be really interested to see how they set up exactly in the backfield. The last couple of warm-up games, they've actually gone back to playing two in the backfield. They've played that thirteen plus two with someone else constantly in the backfield alongside the fullback, covering a bit more space. Um, and obviously, that kind of changes the picture because last season, for example, Rob Carney was often back there in his own, and then those wingers were kind of penduling with him and dropping in and out, trying to read the opposition out half, and that's just so hard. I wonder if they will position someone back in there with Larmer or Conway, whoever ends up patrolling the backfield and have two covering that, particularly if it's wet, because then maybe it's harder for the opposition to get out to the kind of edgier defence with their passing game. I'd agree. I think I actually think both of them have good aerial skills, a specific technical bit of it. I just you remember Larmer in that Argentina game last November when like there were a couple of straightforward ones where it just seemed his concentration maybe dipped or maybe positioning he'd left himself moving a little bit late. Those are little bits that Rob Carney's brilliant at and I think he'll have to have a really alert performance just to be snuffing out all those, as Andy says, all those little chips, the grubbers, the crossfield kicks. It'll be also interesting to see exactly who Scotland go with in that back three. You'd probably suspect Maitland will be used aerially, but if Darcy Graham starts off, he's a, he's a smaller player. Tommy Seymour are probably stronger in the air. Um, so they have a, a big call to make in that regard. But I think that Ireland will probably look to help out Larmer if he's in the backfield by maybe dropping someone else in alongside him. Interesting. I know you've been chiming away in the 42 members WhatsApp group, Murray, from over there. And there was a very good question, which I think is made for Andy uh, from a woman named Anita. She asked, are there any concerns over activation or prep work pre-trainings as we seem to be having more <clears throat> soft tissue injuries post long haul flight than other nations? Uh, no, I don't think there's concerns about the approach. I, I, I think there are too many variables to turn around and say, right, we got two soft tissue injuries. Our prep was wrong. I, it's so regimental and it's so there's such scientific rigor to what the strength and conditioning team do in terms of their data collection um subjectively how the players feel which is which is even monitored on a regular basis so you are relying on subjective testimony from guys you know in terms of their freshness their their hydration levels are tested their weigh in um in terms of the the g force that goes through every contact session you know it's 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 very impressive they don't leave any stone unturned and and they're certainly not lazy or or um i suppose unprepared in, in in terms of the player activation so if you take into account long haul flights changes in um player physiology that can happen at any time in any given period fatigue levels quality of sleep new beds new surfaces on the floor you know in terms of training ground there's just too many variables they can't they can't control a player's reaction to that as elite level sport you can reduce your risk of soft tissue injury significantly by preparing but you can't eradicate it and in this case i think it's just bad luck Gab, just to add on on that front um Ireland are actually saying that we, we in the media have kind of misreported the Rob Carney one. They said it's actually a foot issue rather than his calf. There's some some problem in his foot. I don't I don't think it's too bad a one. Um, and I got the sense they weren't too happy with the pitch up in Chiba. That that might have contrib- contributed to it. They were kind of used to the surface. They've been doing their preseason on. And then if you change that up, sometimes players can have maybe a bit of a reaction. Um, the the Henshaw one obviously with the hamstring. Joe Schmidt said he wasn't accelerating at the time. So I presume Andy that means 
that's a lot more positive if he's not actually in the process of accelerating. Yeah, it, it, with, with an acceleration, you're much um, much higher likelihood of, a, of an increased severity. So the, the hamstring protocols for recovery would be based around the grading of the injury. And a grade one is mild, and you generally do that at kind of a, a mild to moderate jog and uh, they're light so grade two and grade three are closer to full sprint and grade four is a complete rupture that we would have seen like with Paul O'Connell where his hamstring tore off the bone so it's probably a grade one injury and the tissue healing times for that are, um, are about still about 10 to 21 days actually so um, with you know with continuous regular physio and strength work he'll still be a bit compromised in the next two to three weeks but you could get away with it just looking at the forwards then, Murray, uh, I know on, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, for example, Bernard Jackman was saying that there was every chance John Klein could actually wind up starting. It's probably the slightly more expected combination of Henderson and Ryan. Uh, presumably Henderson will call line outs there and sort of take charge of that side of things. Yeah, absolutely. And we spoke about that before the World Cup, that this really is his time now to step up. He has almost 50 caps for Ireland. You can't forget that. But it feels like Schmidt is putting that pressure on him now to really move on to the next level as a player and he will call that line out we've spoken about how dependent Ireland on it I was actually looking at the, the numbers over the last two seasons 47% of their tries have stemmed from their own line out so that kind of underlines um, that, they're, that they're quite reliant on it they've actually scored more kick return tries than I had expected to be honest but I think they're all against tier 2 teams the line out's vital and, and Henderson and Ryan are going to uh, be essential to that Peter Manny obviously in the back row it's really important for them to have him there as well he's such a good jumper um, and so good across the ground and, and that'll allow them to, to use a little bit of movement because Scotland are going to absolutely target that area they're going to try and hassle them um, you would imagine that Rory Best will be in the referee's ear talking about that gap beforehand and, and trying to um, influence them that way uh, Ty Byrne then is the really interesting one I think off the bench as well because he gives you the potential not only to improve your line out especially defensively he's, he's excellent in that regard and maybe that's a little bit overlooked but then with his turnover threat his mobility his, his ball handling he can bring a lot that, that could potentially change a game as well. Um, and just generally, I'm interested in that bench. Obviously, the back line options were, were limited to, to Carty and Farrell, but Cohn and Byrne, Porter, Kilcoyne, that's a whole lot of impact um, with 30 minutes or so to go. Now, Scannell obviously nudges ahead of Sean Cronin. Um, I, I have to say, I expected Cronin's dynamism off the bench, but you, you look at it in hindsight and go, you know, Schmidt hasn't really picked Cronin when he's had the chance um, and Scannell's really solid set-piece operator. So I actually think the Ireland bench is a, a bit of a strength there. Yeah, what about the uh, back row then, Andy? For all the experimentation and the points of contention, it's sort of as we expected probably a month or two ago. It is, yeah. I would have preferred to have seen Conan start today. I think he's just um, consistently been a, a better performer than Stander in the last eight, eight nine months. Um, and, you know, CJ, it, Schmidt is very loyal to guys who've been um, soldiers for him in the past through great success and Stander was central to that so uh, but but on on recent form I, I would have thought Conan is it was a better pick um, he also would add a better line out option than Stander um, I think Scannell's selection on the bench is interesting too it seems to me like it's a safety selection for the line-out. I think he, maybe he feels Scannell's line-out throwing might be capable of settling the team in the event that we have a mini meltdown in the first 30, 40 minutes. And, I, you know, I would have no doubt Scotland are going to target the line-out hugely. 
in the initial stages, if anything, just to, to try and cycle us out. You know, I, I, if we if we hold firm and the line out is functional, they'll probably abandon that tactic quickly enough. But it, it literally the first ten to fifteen minutes, the first two line outs, they're going to go hell for leather after. If you've got three great jumping line out options, we well, I suppose we do already with with O'Mahony there and uh, and the two boys Henderson and Ryan. Um, you know, you definitely have three options, and it's just going to be crucial to see those first two to three lineouts. I I would suspect if we nail the first few, Scotland will reduce the intensity of their onslaught on our lineout. They're just going to try and and spoil everything in that first period. I don't think they'll maintain that strategy uh, if we just nail the first two. But they're going to God help us if they go after the first two or three and it doesn't work. We're then in a situation where does do you call do you call best to shore your captain at half time? But I think Scanlon is there for that reason to try and, and settle a line out should we get hijacked a bit. What's the uh, impression over there, Murray, about uh, number eight, as Andy alluded to there? Do you think that Stander maybe played himself into the team with that uh, last warm up game against Wales alone? Or like how surprised were people even among the media that uh, that he is starting at eight? Not too surprised in the end, I guess. Um, he was very good in that last game against the Welsh. He looked a bit more dynamic and having maybe experimented with his exact role earlier in the, the warm-ups, we mentioned that in the England game where they didn't get him on the ball and he wasn't able to get into the game. He was certainly far more prominent. He is part of the leadership group as well and he's influential in that regard and Joe Schmidt values that and he's a really good defender. He often makes tackles in the kind of congested channels and you might not always see who's making the impact, but very often it, it is him. Um, Jack Conan was probably held back in, in the preseason. He had a bit of an ankle kind of foot issue. He had a bit of an injury there, and that's why he was delayed getting onto the pitch. And that would have just frustrated him and probably Joe Schmidt because he didn't get to give it a, a full crack at it. He is fully fit again now, from, from what I understand. So um, he provides that impact. But when it came down to it, really, and you think about how much... I guess faith that Joe Schmidt has put in CJ Sander and it would have been almost a surprise in the end if he hadn't gone with him in, in this World Cup and that back row as you said is probably what we expected van der Fleer's um, kind of energy around the pitch really makes sense in this game he's well able to get across and cover and drift and, and work with guys on the outside if he gets into those positions he was really impactful actually in the tackle against the Welsh as, as hard I've seen him hit for, for quite a while that was really encouraging and some decent carries as well. So he'll be doing a lot of the kind of donkey work and facilitating others. Um, and then you'd hope to see Peter O'Mahony bring what he what he brought in, in the seven shirt that time against the Welsh in Cardiff, where he was far more involved. And um, obviously they got him into carrying roles and, and that kind of stuff. But it, it's great to see him getting on the ball, either passing or, or even carrying as well. I know he's not a big, big heavy-duty carrier, but he was certainly more influential in, in that game. He's back to six there, obviously, and line-out is his primary duty. Hopefully, you'll see him pill for a couple of balls as well from Ireland's point of view. But I think that back row, as you mentioned, probably is what we expected from a, from a long way off. Andy, in midfield then, no surprises given uh, Robbie Henshaw's injury. And yet, <laughs> Gary Ringrose, who for so long has been like a mainstay and would have been up till about three, four months ago, one of the first names on the team sheet comes in with something to prove, essentially, because he wouldn't be there if Encho was fit, more than likely. Yeah, and, well, I don't I, I don't think it's any harm. Like, he's still, he kind of set the world alight in the first couple of seasons. He is an electric talent, um, and he's had uh, a dip in form. Uh, he, I think it's probably characterised by some, you see, 
some decisions he made in terms of distribution in the European final and you know where there was an overlap you're, you're getting the, when you start getting those things wrong there's a three on one and you carry it into contact that wasn't selfishness on his part that was just a poor decision when you're under pressure and when you've a loss of form those things don't fall your way all of a sudden when when you're flying high you know you're you're making the right call invariably with your eyes closed but you know you don't even know why and I think that's where he's he's lost f- form. There's no lack of ability. So I think it's probably no harm for him to be under pressure. It's probably the first time in his career he's been under pressure. And Gary Ringrose was something to prove is dangerous because he would something to prove two years ago, three years ago. And then you get into it, maybe he got comfortable. You know, I don't, for, not for one s- second, suggesting he, he became... Um, arrogant in his position but he might have just got comfortable or established and maybe that's some players need to feel on edge some players need to feel like they're being chased by a pack of wolves you know everybody's different so with Gary Ringrose with something to prove to me is is a, a, again has, becomes kind of tantalising now to watch him and see what he'll do um, on, on Sunday morning so yeah he's coming in with something to prove but that's that's a good prospect yeah, Murray, you're a ring rose guy. Do you think Ireland's approach uh, shifts in any way just that they don't maybe don't quite have the ballast they might have had it with the Henshaw Aki combination and yet Ring Rose obviously offers something a little bit different in terms of just that fleet footwork and unbelievable footballing ability as well. Yeah, I'm actually just watching it. I mean, they're still in the team hotel. I'm watching them walk out of training. Guy Ringrose just passed by, so thankfully he won't hear what I'm saying. But <laughs> um, they are, they're getting a, a lovely reception here. The staff are all kind of bowing them out of the hotel. It's pretty incredible manners and politeness over here in, in Japan. It's incredible. Um, it was interesting yesterday that Sam Johnson, the Scotland 12, was asked about it. He, he was asked, who would you rather play, Farrell or Ringrose? And he said... I don't know if I should say this. And he kind of looks over at the press officer and then he says, I'd, I'd rather play against Chris Farrell because I know what he's going to do. He's going to be more direct, whereas Gary Ringrose has agility and he can beat you with those skills. So I think Sam Johnson won't be too happy with the selection and maybe his, his honesty in hindsight. Um, but I, I think it, it does slightly change how, how Ireland can attack. We've mentioned before how often they get into those long passages of battering phases and just Ringrose's ability to get to the inside or outside and, and run into an arm rather than a shoulder is really important because even that little hint of momentum can then make the next carry easier. And then when it opens up, he's obviously more than capable of of um, excelling in attack. And I do hope that that error in the, the Champions Cup final when he didn't pass doesn't just sit in his mind and make him doubt himself in, in situations because you don't want a guy like him who is obsessive about the game and never stops thinking about it. You don't want him overthinking it. He, he's at his best when he's intuitive and instinctive and and backing those creative skills he has so hopefully that's what we see from him i think he's a defense uh, defensively i think he's important for ireland as well he's i don't know if there are many better than him when your numbers down and you've got to scramble and i know there's been a lot of talk about his missed tackle stats recently and certainly he is he has missed some tackles but I, I think a lot of those missed tackle stats they can often be actually good bits of defense i went back and watched the last wales game i think he had three missed tackles and two of them were really good bits of defense where yeah maybe he didn't put the, the guy in the ground but you know, he's actually shepherding the right way or, or recovering for the team and slowing them down so someone can get there and tackle. Like, it's not just black and white with those stats. Um, having said that, look, I do agree that, that he's a bit under pressure and there's more to come from, but what better place to, to bring that out than in this massive game at a World Cup? 100%. A question in the 42 members WhatsApp group here from Barry Lamkin. 
and he says not so much question actually more of a demand from Barry he says I'd like the lads to give the three things that they most want to see other than a result on Sunday um result obviously is would be pretty nice but are, are there things you'd like to see in, in Ireland's game Andy that uh, maybe we haven't quite seen so far or what would you like to see properly come together on Sunday um, I'd like to see the box kick underutilised <laughs> as opposed can to can you hear that guys <laughs> no. yeah what's the story the team are getting clapped out the team are all getting clapped out onto the bus <laughs> that's hilarious I thought it was rain no, I thought the it was same. rain hitting the roof uh, yeah. I was like, here we go oh, look Joe was right <laughs> um well, do you want me to give the three or should we share the three? Share, the, share the three. Share I don't want to put fair. the two of you under pressure. Like, you know, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I, I, I'd like to see the box kick underutilised as an exit strategy. Um, similarly, the crossfield, Gary Owen, that we saw Carberry use deep in the Italian warm-up, which, again, was nonsensical. Um, I don't get it. So I'd like to see that taken out of our game. Murray? Well, in terms of things you'd like to see... Uh, I guess the kick variety is something that, mm. like, on a similar point there, just even further up the pitch and mixing it up. And it's weird that when Jack Carty's got on almost, they've been better at that. He's the guy putting those little short grubbers or even very flat grubbers, um, even then some longer kind of tactical kicks. And Johnny Sexton's brilliant at kicking. And sometimes I think they should use his ability more often. You know, mm. they have been relying maybe on the box kick. And certainly I think it's a good thing they're experimenting in terms of how they exit out their 22 and not being as, as predictable. But that would certainly, I think that was one of the points I had in mind was just varying their kicking game. Um, the other thing was would be to see, like they've kind of spoken and there's been whispers about all this kind of phase play work they've done in preseason. Really want to see some of that now. In the, in the warm-up games, there was little glimpses of it and hints at some changes. And um, you'd love to see them be more creative in, in breaking down the defence yes you're going to have to carry hard at times that is a reality of the game and you're going to have to play off nine at times to take some of the line speed away but you can be a little bit more um, outside the box with that and hopefully we see some some elements of that the last thing I guess just before Andy takes over again is for me I'd love to see some of those Joe Schmidt power plays you know he's famous for them deservedly so and I, and I don't think they can be reliant on that in the World Cup but you know, it's massive for the players if he can if he can pull a few of those out and for him to be creative as a coach and, and that just breeds these players with confidence. Um, because when the things you worked on then work on the pitch, you, you get that sense that this game is going to be yours to take. So those are, are some of the things I've been thinking of. There's four. There's four. Barry Lambkin only demanded three. And he got four. That's what you get when you sign up to become <laughs> yeah, a, 40, yeah. a, a member of the 42.e. <laughs> members at the 42.e. I know you're in there, Andy. Uh, and if you uh, want to fire a few questions into the WhatsApp group, by all means do. I know you're, you're scrolling through it constantly, Murray, as if you weren't busy enough. Um, we'll yeah. have to talk about some of the other big games then because um, we'll get your Ireland-Scotland prediction in a while. Um, it's just a massive weekend. We spoke last week, Murray, about how unbelievably good that Saturday is. Um Maybe both. Uh, maybe start with the one that, that people are probably most looking forward to, apart from the Ireland game, which is on. Uh, yeah, it is Saturday, isn't it? Uh, South Africa, New Zealand. Uh, you mentioned you were at. You've sort of um, been on press duty a little bit down there with the two of those teams. What I presume both of them are steely in their confidence. Like, what kind of vibes are you getting off them? Yeah, it's been very enjoyable. Steve Hansen is a great man for a press conference. He doesn't take it too seriously, and he loves kind of stirring things. Um, the box, interestingly enough, we're putting some pressure on the referee er very early in the week. 
just talking about how in the past they feel that the All Blacks, because they're favourites, get favouritism from the referees and always end up getting good decisions. And then Hansen hit back at Erasmus and said, you've got to stop pressuring the referee. And Hansen's well able to pressure referee himself. So <laughs> that's been a kind of fun part of it. But in terms of actual what we're going to see on the pitch, it's going to be titanic, I think. The, the games between these two sides have been so evenly matched. Everyone kind of talking about the last three times they've played, they've had that 83-all aggregate scoreline. And they're kind of well matched in terms of having two different styles but equally effective styles at the moment the box are predominantly focused on that defense so there's a more aggressive side defensively in the world at the moment and then the all blacks have been looking for ways to get around that aggressive defense and that trend in the game and they've stuck with their 10 15 moonga and, and barra combination it's really interesting for me that from the all blacks point of view they come into this world cup having made quite a few drastic changes i would say to their team in in very recent times Moonga obviously starting at 10 now, and Bowden Barrett, who we all thought was the best out half in the world, he's the 15, obviously. Um, the, the back row has changed with Savia finally going to six, and Hansen having said he probably wasn't going to look at that. And then you look at the wings. Seve Reese and George Bridge have, have come in there, and Enrico Ioanni, who has 23 tries and 26 tests, isn't even in the match day 23. So it's it's quite a bit of upheaval. Um, I do think they're probably better for Ioanni. hasn't really hit form this year. And when you have 10 and 15 you know, those guys with those numbers on their backs, both capable of, of breaking up the game. It, it makes you such a threat. And they're beginning to work really well together. So um, it's it's fascinating to see how the box physicality and defensive might uh, deals with that threat from the All Blacks attack. Which way are you leaning on that one, Andy? I have a feeling um, South Africa um, for that game because um, there have been some huge changes in, in the All Blacks in terms of um, personnel that Murray's gone through there but they've they chose not to pick Owen Franks um, in their front row and I think the South African front five is pretty fearsome uh, Kitchoff and Malcolm Marks for example are going to go after the the, uh, the new front row combination in the All Blacks and then they've got the likes of Etzebeth and you've got that freak uh, Snayman coming off the bench like something out of WWF he's about 6 foot 11 long hair uh, scary to look at but I think their front five will I think they'll make a huge attempt much like we talked about Scotland to try and spoil our line out I think South Africa are going to really target that front five in New Zealand, and if it like with all um, top level teams, if your if your scrum is under is creaking and it's it's no platform for attack, and the All Blacks use it so well as a baseline platform to launch their attack from. So I I would say um, I just have a feeling South Africa will edge that. Um, that battle and by edging that battle it negates a lot of this the 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 starter plays and and the momentum that New Zealand get in their in their general play so um yeah I I, I have a I have a sneaky suspicion that's what's going to happen there yeah that sounds good to me it's going to be an exciting one well actually it doesn't sound good at all I mean it means all backs have potential <laughs> quarterfinal but yeah. uh, <clears throat> it is a case of pick your poison uh, looking at the uh, other fixtures then Murray you're obviously uh, looking to get over to that Japan-Russia game which kicks off the tournament I think the handicap for that one is something like 50 do you expect a complete blowout uh, like are we talking sort of in the in the mid 70s high 70s or do you think Russia can sort of come out of there with a little bit of dignity essentially Oof, oh yeah I fear for them definitely I think Japan will start really well with an incredible home support. The, the sense of the World Cup has been really picking up. 
around the country and, and certainly where we've been the last couple of days and people getting on board and getting behind the team and even supporting the visiting teams quite passionately as well. So I think Japan will get a strong start there. It'll be interesting to see how they then, with their eight-day turnaround compared to Ireland's six-day turnaround, uh, lead into that second game. And Joe Schmidt's certainly already thinking about that. Um, just seeing on Twitter now, actually, Scotland have just named their team there. And kind of what we've been talking about is confirmed. They've laid low at nine over price so they can box kick, obviously. And then Seymour and Maitland are the wings. So they've gone for that height that Andy mentioned. Uh, Barkley, Watson and Wilson look like a pretty good back row combination. So it's a, it's a strong Welsh team, or sorry, Scottish team. And they certainly look set up to, to go and uh, compete in the air anyway. <laughs> yeah, hmm, I'm just looking at the team here now. So uh, people will probably have seen it by the time the podcast goes out, but just on the off chance you don't, uh, Alan Dell, Stuart McNally, Willem Nell, Grant Gilchrist, Johnny Gray, John Barkley, Hamish Watson, Ryan Wilson, Greg Laidlaw, Finn Russell, Maitland, Sam Johnson, Duncan Taylor, Tommy Seymour and Stuart Hogg. Kind of as expected, Andy, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think to me too, they're understated. Well, they're not understated, but um, they're they're quite aggressive when they carry is uh, McNally and Gilchrist are both brilliant, um, aggressive runners and make huge contributions around the field. So that front five battle against our front five, which I think, sorry, if you take, maybe take Rory Best out of out of the the other, you know, Furlong, Healy, uh, Ryan and Henderson are world class players. And so the battle against the likes of McAnally and Gilchrist is going to be a brilliant, uh, a brilliant little mini battle within a battle to watch, I think, as well. Do you think that the sort of trope surrounding Scotland and how to beat them over the last two, three years under Townsend, where it's a case of use one outrunners and just pretty much keep knocking on the door until they answer and you eventually bowl them over. Still applies to this team based on what you've <coughs> seen of them in pre-season. Like they're so, they'll go to France and get a walloping, then they come home mm. and beat France. Like, But away from home, certainly, they have shown vulnerabilities. Like can Ireland sort of beat them into submission, essentially. Is that the way to go about this game? Um, it's hard to argue against history because that's how Scotland have been beaten routinely and on multiple occasions. And um, the problem is they're aware of it. We're aware of it. Everyone who's listening is aware of it. At some point, you'd like to think, or not like to think, but at some point you would have thought Scottish management um, and Townsend, I have no doubt, is is a cerebral thinker about the game. He's innovative. He's he's going to try and, and combat it. He's not just going to accept it as a group weakness. And so it's because otherwise they're in massive trouble. So I I think what I what I'd like to see in on our approach is yeah, knock on the door and see and see if it creaks. But I don't know. Should we? persist with it for 60 65 minutes i mean if it's if we're if we're hammering the door down and, and we, they don't creak after 35 40 45 50 have we anything else or are we just going to stick at it that's i i schmidt said i think yesterday he believes we've got variation in our attack now which we didn't maybe have in the last year and i i'm hopeful that's the case for sure i really i am and um if we have the variation then i think we have a great chance of beating them. You know, if we don't have the variation and they can just hang in there, they've got a bit more tricks up the sleeve than we do, I suspect. 
Um, but yeah, the old adage of just, you know, choke them out. I, I'm sure at this stage they're, they're trying to deal with that and eradicate it from their game. Murray, uh, while we're on the topic or back on the topic, we might as well get predictions for this game then. Um, which way are you leaning and I suppose why? <laughs> yeah, I have to say I'm still leaning towards Ireland. I, even Joe Schmidt speaking there, he seems fairly confident. He normally you can see the nervousness in his face and the concern and the lack of sleep. And to be fair, I don't think he's seen any of Japan yet. I think he's had his head in the laptop as usual, but he did seem to have a kind of confident vibe around him. And, and the players all certainly seemed like that as well. Very relaxed and um, enjoying themselves over here. I think the, in terms of actual rugby, I think with halfbacks like Conor Murray and Johnny Sexton, I, I do expect a lot from Sexton in this World Cup. And I think that Conor Murray will peak having had that season where he come back from coming back from that shoulder issue and neck issue I think the two of them will, will peak in this World Cup and, and they will have a greater sense of control around this game for me um, particularly if the conditions are tough behind a pack that is really strong that front row combination is so settled I think they can get one up and at scrum time I think Henderson and Ryan can fulfil their potential as a pairing and, and really take care of that line out and then as we spoke about the back rows really complementary and, and works well together I think it's a really strong unit for Ireland and I think they'll get the edge up front there and then have those halfbacks making good decisions being tactically astute and then Sexton hopefully from, from Ireland's point of view taking his uh, points whenever they get a shot at goal as well so yeah it is a blow to lose those two guys in, in, in the backfield but I think there's more than enough there for Ireland to, to have a good win to, to start off this World Cup a narrow but uh well, a narrow win for you, Andy, like as in... Well, I the the really interesting thing Murray touched on there to me is it's funny the way the, the Murray and Sexton loss of form last year, undoubted loss of form. And I mean, Murray was awful in a couple of games. Sexton's probably worst performance in his international career against Wales away has, has I suppose, lent itself to the idea that we're... Like, bizarrely, you could say, you know, are we... We're talking about two guys who started um, the the British Lions third, second, and third test together. You know, we're we're um, we're talking about guys who are incredibly driven and much much like we mentioned, Ringrose maybe is under pressure to deliver, and it's no harm. I think it's a brilliant position to be in with those two with a point to prove again because they do, and when those two have a point to prove, they could steer that ship incredibly well and they can do it even in adversity when parts of the team are not functional so while their their form was pretty awful at times last year it's not a bad place to be because you know class is permanent and form is temporary and the other you know cream rises to the top they're, they're world class for a reason they ha- it, it hasn't abandoned their bodies and their being to be world class so um, a little bit of probably a little bit of anger in them and a little bit of um, need to prove what what they what their worth is and why you know Johnny is world player of the year and why Murray was a shoe in for the Lions um, you know they, they'll want to just show that and that's brilliant for Ireland that they, they're coming in from, with that mentality So do you expect that I expect all of that said all of that said I expect that to amount to a a win (laughs) (laughs) against Scotland yes yeah we'll take it we'll take it Uh, Murray just to touch upon uh, France Argentina uh, we probably won't have time to get into Australia Fiji much but it's a bit of a 
I guess uh, two teams that tend to show up and come from nowhere in a World Cup and somehow make a semi-final or a final. Um, and yet the vibe in this one, weirdly enough, uh, well, weirdly enough only within the context of what we've seen in France in the last four or five years, is that they're probably fairly fancied to uh, get out of the group with England in, in uh, that pool with Argentina. Yeah, I think everyone's kind of sensing that momentum behind France now. Interesting, they went with Roman Entomac at, at out half. What a big day it's going to be for him. Um, and they, they did look, they look fit and happy in, in the preseason. And I think the changes to the coaching structure with Galtier and, and Levy coming in has helped a lot in terms of how they're getting good prep done and they, and they feel you know, really well prepared for this World Cup. Argentina, on the other hand, you feel they've kind of run out of steam with that Haguera's team doing so well in Subrobi, but like a lot of travel. And I know they've played together and you, you get that cohesion, but they've been kind of flogged all year and it feels like they're kind of running out of steam at the wrong time. So, listen, we could be completely proven wrong with that, but that's the sense I get of it coming into it. I think it will be a really intense and, and close football nonetheless and really passionate as well. And two, uh, as you'll be happy, Gav, there's two brilliant anthems to look forward to before that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's your, your passion. But uh, you mentioned Fiji, just very briefly, I'd love to see them beat Australia. How cool would that be for the tournament on the second day to have a, a big upset uh, maybe Japan winning big on the first day and the hosts getting their momentum and then Fiji causing that shock. That would be really cool to see. Yeah, it'd be magic. Um, need to touch upon Wales, just given what's going on there. A uh, question from Finn in the WhatsApp group. Uh, he says, will the Howley topic be off limits? Uh, evidently not, I think, uh, Finn. But he points out, like, uh, you know, obviously very sad and complicated situation. Um, he says that lots of media coverage of it has alluded to Howley not being particularly popular with players or fans, which came as a surprise to him. Uh, what was your reaction to it, generally speaking, Murray? And how do you think that's going to impact Wales? I was absolutely shocked like everyone else. Um, it was kind of weird because two nights that we've been over here, there's been breaking Irish injury news, kind of wrecking our dinner. <laughs> Just we sit down, <laughs> like the news kind of come out and everyone's on their phones and then sprinting off to get their laptops and... Uh, it was interesting to see that happen the other way around uh, with the Howley news break and we were in Tokyo and, and it came out and people couldn't really believe it. Thought it was a kind of bit of a, a piss take almost story, but quite quite sad really, I guess. And we don't know the details there, but um, you know it'll be interesting to see how they react. The one man I would say who is brilliant at putting adversity into a positive is is Warren Gatlin. He's so good at just changing the picture and, and going right we're up backs against the wall here and, and people are expecting us to absolutely capitulate now in this world cup but let's go ahead and prove them wrong he's a master of that kind of mindset and i think he'll be able to almost convince his players that that uh, that they're in good stock in terms of his popularity yeah he's not popular with fa fans in terms of the rugby in wales I, I know that from being over there and talking to some of the fans before games and stuff and stephen jones is hugely popular uh, and obviously the players know him particularly well he's a really good attack coach he do, certainly doesn't have a lot of time to get working with them but like we just mentioned France and Argentina they show that things can happen in short term at World Cups and, and work out really well so I don't know how Wales are going to react on the pitch but I'll, I'll be really interested to see, uh, see what happens next it's unlikely, obviously, that Jones will try to reinvent the wheel, Andy, within the space of a couple of weeks, is it? I disagree. Okay. Because um, I heard um, Gatland, and I was, uh, Jesus, it was so refreshing, but I heard him being interviewed. Obviously, he's dealing with huge adversity and the loss of Howley. Um, but he said his immediate reaction was Stephen Jones is going to come in and going to allow him bring his new ideas in, is what he said. And what, what a refreshing idea that is from a head coach in the middle of the World Cup 
preparation week and he said well the, the new guy isn't going to come in and just abide by everything we've done because he's got his own ideas his own creativity and I'm going to let him use it so it adds uh, immediately adds a flavour and a danger to Welsh back play that maybe we haven't seen in a while so I think it makes them it's a blessing potentially in disguise uh, how he was going to leave with the rest of the management team after the World Cup Jones is coming in who's worked under Pivac uh, and a brilliant attacking team in the Scarlets for a period of time so um, I, I actually think old Warren G is is secretly going to use it as a, as a weapon yeah but isn't that could it be dangerous the other way then as well to confuse things like if he felt that it was right I, that Jones would come in and change things why wasn't he in there from the beginning I mean yeah no I, I don't believe it's dangerous uh, because you're dealing with a high calibre of player and if you can't adapt and make quick changes to a strategy they're not good enough to be out there I mean the the England team that won the World Cup in 03 uh, changed entirely changed their tactical approach and strategy in a 10 minute period after Clive Woodward left the changing room at the half time period in the quarter final against Wales and the players decided to have a complete sea change in their approach and they were able to do it and at that level you are able to adapt or you ought to be um, so yeah I, I don't see it as a a, uh, a means to confusion for Wales I actually see it as a way for Jones to bring in free up a little bit of their attack which makes them a bit more of a threat Murray just to touch upon England then as well are we looking at a sort of a 90 pointer there against Tonga just certainly given uh, Tonga's form very recent form and the spanking they got off New Zealand you'd sort of fear for them in that one would you yeah I'd, I'd be surprised if it gets quite as high as it did the last time it felt like Tonga just kind of shrugged their shoulders and let the all back score a couple of tries certainly in the second half the defence was really poor and they, they weren't really putting in that effort I think it'll be very different in the World Cup but England looked far too strong for them um, it's really interesting that they've gone 10, 12, 13 with Ford, Farrell two Alagi we weren't positive but I really like that combination I, I think Farrell and Ford work really well together and Farrell's so dangerous and 12 obviously he's good out half as well um, it's just such a powerful English team and they'll get off to a really strong start and they have a couple of players in Vunapola and Noel still to, to come back so they look in, in, in really good shape you can't you really just can't see an upset there to be honest no god no um, so to wrap lads uh, given Andy we haven't spoken to you in a while I know you've been on off the ball and things like that mm. uh, provided Ireland do get out of I their pool you, by the way, I missed you I've, I've missed you as well <laughs> you look fantastic <laughs> provided Ireland get out of their pool um, what are their chances of going further than that when you've got South Africa and New Zealand on the other side of it? I I just I can't see us getting by the quarters. I just just based on on how good South Africa and look at the moment. If we end up playing New Zealand, we're playing a team that we've marked their card twice in the last three to four years. Um, so there's no sense of uh, ambush going to happen there in terms of our physicality, for example, like that we brought in the November game um, and won so many collisions, which I think fed the, the result. So if we were to win a quarter final, I think we could win the World Cup. I But I just can't see us winning the quarter final. I think we'll get better and stronger as the tournament progresses. But my initial fears are honestly are the Scotland game and Japan are going to massively target the loser of this game with a six-day turnaround. So it feels like it's kind of built on a house of cards, everything. It could it could literally just flake away in, in 80 minutes 
or we get through it. I don't care how we get through. We just get through it on Saturday, get through Japan. Um, if we were managed to get through a quarters, we could go on and win it. We were as good a chance as ever. But I get through these first two, what are potential pitfalls. Um, we ought to be good enough to do that. And then the, the massive game being a quarter final, and I, we would get better as the tournament would go on. I've no doubt, but I'm, I can't see it in the cold light of day, taking my heart out of the situation. I can't see us winning the quarters against either of those sides. Yeah, still pretty exciting, Murray. We better let you go, though. Um, thanks a million. Yeah, thanks a million, guys. Enjoy what is going to be an unbelievable weekend of rugby. And Andy, brilliant to have you back. I'm sure the hair is still looking fantastic. So thanks, uh, million, thanks for chatting to us. Yeah, feel free to just post it up there on your WhatsApp group if you want, <laughs> seeing as I'm not a member. <laughs> <laughs> we'll add you. Oh. And thanks a million to you guys at home as well for tuning in. We will be back uh, over the weekend, I believe. And uh, looking forward to kick-starting this tournament. Uh, lots of podcasts on the way for uh, the 42 members and also for non-members will be back at our sort of uh, usual slots during the week as well. Uh, enjoy the game over the weekend. Enjoy that unbelievable Saturday as well uh, of rugby and we will catch you in the next couple of days. Take it easy. I don't think we've met before but I'm the referee on this field. If you're working as an accountant and you lose your job nobody really notices. Leinster could offer me five mil a year I wouldn't go. <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Little reverse pass. Oh, 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 oh.